0: what keeps you up at night is brought to you by plastics news the essential news source for the plastics industry did you know the plastics news data store has dozens of rankings and lists to help drive your market intelligence the plastics news data store has information your business needs find out more at plasticsnews.com data lists I'm Brennan Lafferty, publisher of Plastics News. This is What Keeps You Up at Night. My guest this week, Christina Keller, president and CEO at Cascade Engineering in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just two years on the job, Keller faces a pandemic and a resulting soft economy like all her contemporaries. But the Cascade leader has her company humming. The injection molder is launching more than 250 tools and molds this year. And the waste management sector, for which Cascade supplies collection carts, is one of its market bright spots. Now, there's no handshakes, hugs, or touching at any Cascade facility, thanks to safety protocols that Keller's leadership team put in place due to COVID. Financial and mental wellness are also points of emphasis for the Cascade team as Keller believes the country may face long-term challenges to mental health due to the virus. It's July 1st. What keeps you up at night begins now. Christina Keller joins me from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Cascade Engineering is headquartered. Hi, Christina. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. So, What used to be a a common everyday question, how's it going, has taken on such different meaning these days. Uh, How is everyone on the Cascade team? Is everyone healthy? Are you and your family doing well?
1: Well, thank you for asking. Um, one of our goals as an organization is to have the healthiest employees and the safest workplace in the world. Um, so we're not quite there yet, but we're something we're working on every every day and every year, and it's something that, that we measure. And when we think of health, we really think of three things, physical health, mental health and financial health. And we have world-class health care and access to mental health services. And we help focus on the long-term financial planning for our employees. And, And one of our goals is to empower our employees to make good decisions about their health by providing them information to make best medical decisions for themselves and their family. And this is extended with the access of information relative to coronavirus and some of the uh, work that we've been do- doing in that area. Um, we've also been working for many years to create a culture of safety, and we've introduced DuPont's stop training and uh, stop observations, and we're sending um, people towards those. And our year-over-year safety trend um, continues to be world-class as we are 10 months now with incident rate under one on our journey towards uh, zero injuries. And from a mental health perspective, we've used the Be Nice program uh, to focus on mental health issues and raise awarenesses, which I I really believe one of the bigger issues from this pandemic uh, resulting really is likely to be mental health related uh, with people dealing with trauma, dealing with different uh, ways of Doing business and doing daily life, uh, I believe we have a a latent um, mental health crisis uh, looming in front of us. And and so while less than 1% uh, at this point have had coronavirus, I think a higher percentage nationwide have been struggling with different things. So we've really worked on communication, increasing communication, and also encouraging people to access our EAP program. And finally, on the financial side, um, really helping people work on saving and spending and uh, financial training for our employees to help them uh, be able to weather storms in their personal lives. Uh, and I, I believe there are some regulations and changes relative to people accessing their 401k early. And so we're helping people understand uh, opportunities related to those. So in general, health is something that we really value as an organization. And I would say based on those three factors, we have a relatively healthy workforce. Um, and we're continuing to do the actions that to try to drive continued improvement. Improvement of um, of health in all three areas.
0: Wow, that really sounds all encompassing. The mental health aspect—it's called Be Nice. Does that stand for anything, or is it just sound it like? It
1: does. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Be Nice program is a is an interesting program that uh, you can actually look at online. It was originally for access for students, and so we brought mm-hmm. it into. The, into the workforce and the nice is what the acronym is it's notice so you notice things that uh, about people so it's, it's about being aware relative to things that are changing with people and your co-workers um, also notice the things that they're doing that are right um, so trying to be positive mm-hmm. on uh, making a positive comments to people that are specific and then invite um, so it's inviting people uh, to, to engage um, about uh, things so invite yourself to join the conversation, challenge uh, the stigma. So people have a stigma around mental health that if you don't have strong mental health, then you're not strong yourself or you know, there's other things about that. So challenging the stigma. And then the last one is empower. And so it's empowering people to take action. And so that's really the components of the be nice is really to, to notice, invite, uh, challenge and empower.
0: No, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I was noticing on Twitter, this is probably going back 2 or 3 months ago people were complaining about being home with their families but others were saying boy I would love to be with people I'm isolated and by myself yeah. so yeah. yeah there's it's a real challenge for uh, for some people that uh, others may not necessarily think of
1: yeah absolutely
0: so when people talk about health and safety with the coronavirus they they certainly think of their their physical health what safety protocols are in place in the office and then separately on the shop floor of Cascade facilities?
1: Great so yeah over the last three months we've been really working on our our coronavirus pandemic response and working to the ever-changing conditions and so we have our executive vice president Kenyatta Brain who's been the head of our coronavirus Task force. Uh, he's been working diligently with the team uh, to follow the guidance from the CDC and the government and implement re- recommendations and requirements to constantly improve protections for our employees. So we've uh, published a FOC pandemic response and safe work practices guide, and that was created and posted in all of our internal systems, MQ1, ACE. We made a couple of videos uh, to take the key components out and learn uh, or to teach people on the the trainings related to uh, the things that we're going to be doing differently moving forward because for everything that we know, this is not a short-term thing. This is going to be a bit of a new normal for us until a vaccine is available and out into into the world. So we've been uh, working on what our sustained long-term plans will be. And so some of the, just I can list some of the the best practices or things that we've been implementing. One of them is single entrance for all with a temperature check. So we have a temperature check and a few quick questions that are being asked in each of our facilities as people enter. We also have face masks or coverings that at this point are mandatory for all areas and that's required even when social distancing can be exercised. Um, We have provided employees with face masks, Uh, they're now available also in our vending machines on campus and in other areas and we found that many employees do choose to provide or make their own and the one exception is when the employee is in their own office or cubicle and no one else is in the area but it doesn't necessarily apply to workstations because uh, they can also be shared or people will come over and they'll interact on a regular basis so we want to have those um, available and social distancing is is mandatory so we're going to stay six feet apart wherever possible. And if they have to be less than six feet apart, working to avoid face-to-face contact, putting in barriers, etc. Uh, we have said no handshakes, hugs, or touching um, others. And so, um, and then meeting rooms and areas have been limited to a max of 10 people. We redesigned all of our conference spaces and the desks and the setup space on the six-foot spacing and have modified our, our signage and other things to, to, you know state where where six feet is from from different areas we've staggered our, our entry and exiting of the facilities our break rooms have been reconfigured. Um, our pre-shift meetings are only held if spacing allows. Um, we have different, Buildings in different areas, and so sometimes the pre-shift meeting might be held on a production floor with appropriate spacing, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And employees have been asked to not come to work if they are ill or exhibiting non difficult symptoms, or a fever of over a hundred, uh, or unexplained difficulty breathing, uh, or not come to work if they've been exposed to someone with COVID. Um, and th- that's really, I mean, between the the face masks and the, the keeping people out who are who are sick, we're finding those are probably two of the main areas. And then, of course, the uh, from the disinfectant side, we have more disinfectant supplies that are available at many of the workstations and on the floor and the office areas. Employees are encouraged to disinfect their workstations, tools, forklifts, et cetera, before and after each shift. They're also available in the break room, and we encourage everybody to wipe down surfaces as they're using those, and then we have increased our outside cleaning um, on, on a regular basis. So that we have regular cleaning in the office and in the plant floor, and then we also the last two are just the fans uh, cannot blow onto people mm. in the work cells. We're trying to point them away from blowing onto somebody um, and is speeding uh, adjusting the speed depending on configuration, etc. And then the drinking fountains and hand dryers are not to be used, so we've set up alternatives to that. So, you know we. We're working on uh, also maintaining the confidentiality of employees who have tested positive based on the CDC mm-hmm. guidance, and that's all outlined in our pandemic response guide. Um, so employees who have come into contact with a potentially infected employee would be notified and told to self-monitor for symptoms, mm-hmm. um, but the name of the employee would not be provided per the legal requirements of the medical confidentiality. So um, we've been following all the all the guidance and, and trying to do the best we can to keep our employees safe because they are our number number one component and, and we've also looked at the visitor policy across the family of companies and strictly limited visitors onto our campus including contractors, guest suppliers, and any visitor that employees feel are necessary must be pre-approved by the vice president level. So that's something that we're we're adding. So that's our, our number one focus is on the safety of our employees. We, I think we've done a pretty comprehensive approach and, and we are adapting as we as we learn more.
0: Yeah it sure sounds comprehensive. One question I had about that was I think in the 14 or 15 weeks that I've been doing the podcast I think only one company had okayed travel and it was for like the company president to go visit one of their out of state facilities so I'm just wondering where do you guys stand on travel for your sales staff or your executives are you visiting other facilities or customers or are you still still doing you know most of that by Zoom <laughs>
1: Most of the sales uh, side is still by Zoom. Many of our customers have even announced that they are out of the physical office until spring of mm. 2021. Yeah. Um, so there's really not any customers to visit in many <laughs> cases because they are also not in their facilities. The one exception that we do make, and again, this is a policy that we have similar to our visitor policy, is that it has to be VP uh, designee has to approve the the travel. Mm -hmm. And we are allowing some uh, limited travel for launches because we are currently launching over 250 new tools. And there are some samples and other things that you do need some technical talent on site, it's a little bit harder to troubleshoot a mold launch uh, virtually (laughs) um, than it is to do that in person. So that is some of the travel that we're allowing internally from that perspective, but very limited on the sales or other type of correspondence uh, other than Zoom.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, let's talk business side. Uh, What market segments have been a positive this year and which ones have been down since the pandemic hit the U.S., Christina?
1: Absolutely. And we have a diverse group of products and so this has been one of the more interesting areas for us is keeping track of who's essential who's non-essential of those that are essential who's up who's down so I I, the one that has been up and consistent through uh, the whole uh, piece is waste collection Uh, so we supply waste management and many of their residential areas are even upgrading to 96 gallon containers so so getting larger containers at the curb. Uh, So we've been full steam ahead with the cart division. And uh, two of the interesting areas that we are growing Within our, our cart base is our eco cart. Uh, so, actually, uh, Jim Fish from Waste Management featured our eco cart just before the pandemic hit, but it actually uh, has post consumer recycled content, which has become a difficult conundrum for the right recycling industry since China stopped accepting a lot of the post consumer recycled waste. It was a green fence and then the green wall. Um, so, the situation has created market disruptions and thres- threatened some municipal recycling recycling programs coast to coast. And so we're taking action to try to create a demand for post-consumer recycled plastics, which are a little bit more difficult to work with. And we've designed a closed-loop system that utilizes that residential curbside plastic right out of the recycling program and into our carts. Um, So it has about 10 percent of that recycled content, we're working at imp- increasing the uh, content that we can use, but it's it's at the same price with no, the same warranty and, and no compromises mm-hmm. based on the ability to withstand the elements uh, that you that you put a cart through. When you think about it, with the, the grabbers and the weight uh, that you sometimes put in your trash containers, the elements that they're going out and sure. uh, heat and cold, etc. So it's it's an interesting challenge uh, design wise. So the EcoCart has been expanding, and also our pink cart for breast cancer awareness that we've uh, continued to, to work on that. So so waste collection in general is up, um, and then within that, our, our uh, sub-brands of the eco cart and the pink cart are, are also up, so that's a big area. Heavy truck has been interesting because it was deemed essential, mm-hmm. and we saw uh, service our service production for trucks that need a replacement bumper grill or chassis skirt, uh, those levels were up. But the actual heavy truck production has been a bit slow uh, relative to, especially, this is more of a macro industry. Uh, The the replacement rate for the heavy truck market is about 250,000 trucks a year. Mm -hmm. And about two years ago in 2018, it went upwards of 320,000 trucks. And so it was, uh, people were replacing a lot in that year. Mm -hmm. And so now you have us trending down this whole calendar year, even before COVID, because the replacement, we, we can, we could actually sustain two years at a lower replacement rate because many of them were replaced in the 2018 timeframe. So it, it's inconsistent because you have, you know, some people are, 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 doing fine as we, as we mentioned before the call, you know, the, the food industry, other areas. Yeah. You know, some people may be flush with cash and, and you know, interest rates are still relatively low, so they might buy a brand new tractor trailer to haul their volume. In other areas, you have bankruptcies coming through retail and other areas, and so they may have reduced the amount that they are transporting uh, via heavy trucks. So heavy trucks been essential, but spotty. And then we have the ones that have been down is the furniture and automotive. Yeah. So. It appears that April and May were the worst of it. Um, but as they've come back, we're still below pre-COVID rates, and there's always a, a risk of a second wave. Um, so those two are are coming up now, and uh, automotive is probably outpacing furniture from that perspective.
0: Okay. That's interesting about the eco card? Yeah, you as well as other companies are really trying to increase the recycled content they use in their products. And I'm sure I'm not telling you it's something you don't know, But, uh, yeah, the supply of recycled content, uh, our ability to collect enough and recycle enough in the U.S. kind of hampers some of those efforts. But, uh, yeah, if we can get collection rates up, uh, I'm sure that would help you as well as other companies.
1: Well, and I think it's the collection rates of really good material yeah. i think you have some people who recycle everything and they might even put in questionable um products or, or mm. other things and then you have some people who are not even diverting to the to the recycling stream the, the core areas and i think plastics has a unique difficulty because unlike glass and metals and some of the things since we invested in single stream recycling mm-hmm. as a nation you know there's a lot of sorting that happens at the um, collection site, and the the level of sorting needed to determine if this is a HDPE or an LDPE or a, you know yeah. what type of plastic it is is much more cumbersome than possibly the value that you're getting at the other end, especially with oil and gas prices going down. And so it's I think plastics has a unique challenge with in the single stream recycling environment.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's. It's easy to put, uh, you know, magnets on a, on a sorting line or some optical sorters.
1: Exactly.
0: Right. But with plastic, yeah, as you say, it's, uh, it is a challenge and requires a lot of manual uh, work and, you know, that's expensive. Well, let's talk a little bit about 2021. Has the pandemic changed your view of 2021? I'm sure you had plenty of plans in place for next year and the year after that. Have future business opportunities changed in your head in the last three months?
1: It's interesting because I'm not sure that the visibility is there yet to make a designation for the whole year. We're still learning new information daily about the different things that are changing. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's it's likely that 2021 will be less sales than we had predicted in 2019. So I think there's definitely um, some downward pressure, but there are so many different factors at play here Relative to even a, a, an election year, we have you know is there is there a risk of a second wave? Are there going to be further government shutdowns? Are people going to stop the U.S. from traveling to other locations? You know wh- what are some of the impacts of uh, the bankruptcies that we're seeing uh, starting to emerge? What further government stimulus is going to be thrown at, at the at the picture? So I think it's it's still too early to tell exactly, but I but I do think that it's it's likely going to depressed sales to a certain extent. Um, not not dramatically or draconian, um, but, but probably not full steam ahead. The other thing that I think is an interesting impact for us in manufacturing is uh, students that are graduating right mm-hmm. now um, because we have, you know, Are people going to attend college in person? Are they going to skip college? Are they going to go straight into employment? Manufacturing has always ranked dead last in terms of what high schoolers want to go into. Mm -hmm. And so is this something that might change based on the COVID pandemic? Are people going to maybe go straight into careers and skip some of the expensive college if it's going to be online only i'm not sure there's some there's some potential impact on on those students that are typically heading off, off to college on whether they're going to uh, tolerate the virtual learning if that becomes the case or if they might be interested in, in starting a, a career at a, at a manufacturer. So that's, that's, that's one thing that, that could change. But I think in, in general, we, this is gonna be with us for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a new normal. And I don't think that we are going to be able to go back to life as it, as it was pre-COVID uh, until at least we get a vaccine.
0: Yeah, get the vaccine and then get it distributed globally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's, let's take the conversation in a slightly different direction. I would say Cascade is a very progressive company. For example, you've hired people who previously served time in prison. And it makes me wonder, has Cascade taken a public stance on the protests that have been happening around the country and really around the world calling for equity and justice in the black community? And, and if you have, how do you believe it advances your company and our society in general?
1: So at Cascade Engineering Family Companies, we believe deeply in the values of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And as a anti-racism company, we we identify and discuss issues of race that impact both our company and the communities we work and live. So we did put out a policy uh, statement and encouraged people to reflect on how they could Practice anti-racism and inclusive behaviors. We believe that everybody should be treated with dignity and respect. And we've had an anti-racism policy for over ten years. That's also established in our learning community and in in the front area of our of our lobby. And so, it's 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 definitely part of our our DNA. I, I would say what's happening now is what I would call almost a racial awakening. Uh, that people are waking up to some of the injustices and things that have been going on for a long uh, period in our history. And I think we we talk about racism in, in three different levels, personal, interpersonal, and systemic. And there are many people who are not personally racist. They may not even be interpersonally racist, but that there are systemic things that have been established in our country that do take concerted effort to unwind in order to create a level playing field for all employees and all, all people to be safe. Safety is one of our number ones and, and treated with, with dignity and respect in all, in all situations.
0: That sounds great. Well, Christina, the uh, name of the column, the name of the podcast is What Keeps You Up at Night. So I I looked up, this is, uh, you're coming up in September on your second anniversary as company president at Cascade. So uh, with two years under your belt and many more years uh, at the company prior to that, is there anything keeping you up at night these days?
1: Well, I think for me, the the biggest one is what does the future hold? It probably keeps quite a few people up (laughs) right now, but it's just so hard to predict uh, where sales will be in, in four months or, or, or a year. And I'm constantly scanning the horizon to get a hint of which direction we might turn. Is it going to be a rapid reemergence? Is it going to be a second wave of shutdown? Um, you know, as I mentioned, the election year. And so getting that information and, and trying to have the most complete picture we can have at the point in time in which we need to make our decisions is what keeps me up because we're we're working to chart the best possible course with the available information. The better the information we can get as a manufacturer, you know, we 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 thrive on stability, mm. and so we're in uncertain and unstable time. And so, I guess my role and something that I, I I take very seriously is trying to understand what's around the corner, what's next, what's going to happen, and it's just very difficult to predict right now what will what will happen for the near future but I'm incredibly proud of our our team. We've got some great people pulling together. As I mentioned, Kenyatta working on our uh, COVID response plan. We've got a fantastic operations leader with um, uh, Steve Bouchon, who's charting our our path towards operational excellence. And we've really been working together as a team. And w- and when you're challenged, you see what your true makeup is. And so I think that's been a, an exciting part. I mean, it's it's uh, the it, as you mentioned in my second year in this role, and we've had a a global pandemic and racial awakening and other things <laughs> happening, and so it's a. I'm, I'm very pleased to have such a, a seasoned leadership team around me uh, to be able to navigate um, this uh, the waters and working at what we can do to try to to calm it, to calm the ship as much as we can based on the information that we have.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's certainly no playbook to follow. Uh, all that's going on, and sometimes you just gotta lean on your team and uh, make the best decisions in the moment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Christina, thanks so much for sharing your time and insights with uh, me today. And best of luck to you and the team at Cascade.
1: Thank you so much.
0: My thanks to Christina Keller, President and CEO at Cascade Engineering. You can follow Christina on Twitter at ChristinaKE11ER. Keep up with Cascade at CascadeNG.com. Web producer Aaron Sloan helps produce this podcast. Hattie Shaheda designed our graphics for the website and social media. Andrew Lafferty and Zeke Lafferty recorded our sponsor messages. Grace Lafferty edited our audio. Thank you for listening. What Keeps You Up at Night is brought to you by Plastics News. For more podcasts like this, visit plasticsnews.com audio. I'm Brennan Lafferty, publisher of Plastics News. So many of us these days are working from home and we are surrounded by our loved ones. In that spirit, here's my son, Zeke Lafferty, with our closing sponsorship message. What keeps you up at night is brought to you by Plastics News, the essential news source for the plastics industry. Sign up today for a paid subscription to Plastics News. Options include print, digital, or group subscriptions tailored for your business needs. Find out more at PlasticsNews.com slash subscribe.